What is good, all of our listeners and viewers? Welcome back to another episode of Games and Groceries. My name is Adam. And I'm Liz. And there's still construction right outside of our window. Woo! We're here with episode 147. We're going to be talking about, hey, are we taking video games way too seriously with our special guest, RGT85? But first, we've got some segments for you. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, they're still doing construction. I love it. Love where we live. Mm. <laughs> so stupid. Alrighty then. I oh <laughs> if you didn't know, for the record, I hate it. Um yeah, so welcome to the show, everybody. If you're new here, uh if you're here for RGT eighty five, I get it. You you hate my mustache. I but I love you, okay? But if you just want to jump ahead to RGT's uh, you know, segment. Fine, I get it. But that's why we provide you timestamps. Uh, they're linked down below. They're in the description. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we have the chapters in, in the head. So if you want to jump to it, fine. I'll forgive you this time. But, you know, here we, here we are. Mm-hmm. Liz, how are you doing? I'm good. Oh, okay, cool. I'm, got, I'm, I'm getting sushi later. Oh, nice. Woo-hoo. Cool. Okay. Uh, but I'm doing good as well. So... Why don't we just get the show rolling? Why don't okay. we? Uh, if you like to listen to me and Liz just ramble about anything, if that's your kind of thing, uh, we have another podcast called What's the Biz. You can check that out. Links are in the description down below if you want to check that out. I don't really care if you do or not. Uh, but we want to remind everybody that we're on social media. Mm-hmm. Hooray. That trash place that we call social media. We're on Twitter at Gaming Groceries, or you can follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer. And I'm at Journey First. Or you can follow us on Instagram, where I will share pictures sometimes, I swear to you. Or I will share questions pertaining to the discussion that we will mm-hmm. have on the show. Wow, cool. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and I will be sharing a question pertaining to the discussion that we will have uh, on the final segment here. So mm-hmm. if you want to answer a question, you know, go ahead and follow us on social media or, or, or you can join our Discord. Hooray. Woo-hoo. Discord link is linked in the description down below. Whatever. Uh, it's, uh, it's down there. <laughs> Click the link. Uh, we got some great people on there. We have nice little discussions. And I will also ask the question on there. We get most of our uh, answers from the Discord. So pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like it over there. So, yeah, the Discord is le- down below. And finally, 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 if you're watching us on YouTube, hi. How you doing? You doing good? Wow. Cool. Um, you know, definitely consider hitting that subscribe button and the notification bell so you know when all these episodes come out. Uh, and, you know, leave a comment or two or even review us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. All right. Cool. Business is done. Woo-hoo. Great. All right. Why don't we get the show started with our first segment. Movie Minutes. Movie Minutes is a segment that we talk about the movies that we watched in the past week, whether it be on Netflix, Hulu, or HBO Max. And we like to give you a recommendation or not a recommendation. Uh, here on the Games and Groceries podcast, we have a five-point scale of how to recommend movies. Uh, we start at avoid at all costs, eh, pass, enjoyable, solid, and perfect for us. And I cannot stress that enough. It's just perfect for mm-hmm. our tastes. Uh, so this week's movie actually came out the same week that Mortal Kombat came out. Last week we covered Mortal Kombat. That, that was a given. Yeah. But this week's movie is coming from Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a movie starring uh, Anna, Anna Kendrick. I almost called it Ann Kendrick. Anna. Yeah. N- Anna. No, it's Ann. Yeah, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, okay, I was right. Anna Kendrick, and it's so, and it's so, you know, it's a great movie. It's, uh, it's called Stowaway. Hooray! 
Uh, so Stowaway is a Netflix original film. Uh, it stars Anna Kendrick. And Emma Thompson? Was that Emma Thompson? I'm pretty sure it was Emma Thompson. Uh, correct us if you will. But uh, let's go into our you know, recommendations of it. As I set the timer, because I am such a loser and I didn't bring up the timer. But Liz, what did you think of it? Go. I gave it an enjoyable. Okay. No, it was not Emma Thompson. It was Tony Collette. I didn't I think was... it was Emma Thompson, but I knew I knew who she was. I was about to say, did, I was like, I didn't think no, that was Emma Thompson. I knew Thompson. it wasn't. It wasn't the features weren't right, but. Yeah. Okay, but Tony Collette, but she's also in a lot of things. Yes. I just never knew her name. I was about to say, um, where was Emma Thompson in this yeah, movie? Sorry. Okay. My bad. Um, but yeah, I gave it an enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I am not one for sci-fi thrillers, but I didn't really see this as a thriller. Okay, so I'll, I'll get to that. Go for it. Um, but anyway, so I don't really I go for these things much. Like I usually watch them because Adam likes them and I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I gave it an enjoyable. I didn't think it was waste time. It was a good movie. It kept my attention. Um, but there were some things that I'm just like, they did it cause movie. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm just like, like when it comes to these things, like none of this was like things that couldn't happen. Right. So it was like, this shouldn't happen and it can't happen. Yeah. And it, and you're doing it just because it's a movie, like small things like that, that I'm just like, I can't just let go of that one. And it drives me crazy. Um, so yeah, I gave it an enjoyable, I didn't think it was a waste of time. I enjoyed my time with it, but I don't see me going out of my way to watch it again. So before I give my, uh, review uh, recommendation thing, sci-fi thrillers are my favorite genre of movie, mm-hmm. specifically sci-fi thriller, not sci-fi horror. A lot of people yeah. get those mixed up. Well, yeah, because a sci-fi thriller just is, you know, set in set space most of the time. It doesn't have to be, but it's it's something that keeps you on the edge of your toes. There's something uh, there. There's a precedent about it that okay. keeps you on the edge of your feet. A gotcha. sci-fi horror is a lot like movie like Alien. Yeah. Where there's like a creature or something or Dead Space is a good sci-fi horror game. Uh, yeah. But a well, sci-fi. Yeah. I think thriller a lot of the time when it's used. In the horror movie genre, yeah, I think is more it, it like it, like the word thriller just pertains to more something eerie or like a Michael Jackson video. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's why it gets caught up in the horror side. So I don't want to preface that by saying that sci-fi thriller is my favorite movie genre. It's your favorite genre of everything. Of everything. Don't even just sci-fi. say movies. It's your favorite everything. Books games those if it's a sci-fi thriller i'm going to consume it it's just facts. at one point in time um like really but so that's why i gave it a solid i mm-hmm. almost gave it a perfect and i think i almost gave it perfect because it's part of my favorite genre mm-hmm. but it's a solid because i enjoyed my time i thought it was a great sci-fi thriller but let me get into my reasons here that the film begins right the film just begins with the launch you start the movie and they're already about to launch, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no, um, ep, um, ep, ep, wow, exposition, exposition about mm-hmm. like, oh, their characters like this. So they don't get a backstory until a little yeah. bit later. Yeah. The exposition comes when they're on the space shuttle, and they're on kind of like this podcast, and they're just like interviewing, mm-hmm. like, oh, what, what do you think about this? But you don't hear the other end. Yeah, they did that with everything. Like they strictly kept it like these four yes. characters are the only characters. In the whole movie. Yeah. 
it, it, it's the only characters. You don't even hear the other end, and you only hear their answers, and that's how you get to know their backstory because mm-hmm. they're just, you know, they're just saying, "Oh man, this is just a great honor. I I'm really a great part of this." That's how you get their exposition, and I love that mm-hmm. that you get to start at the launch and you're just in it, and it goes right yeah. into the dilemma. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's like okay, it's set in space. This is who these people are. This is their characters. This is their backgrounds. And then it gets into the dilemma, which this dilemma is a moral choice. Mm -hmm. And that's my second point is that it gives us a a utilitarian, uh, more of a trolley. Mm -hmm. uh, It's a trolley uh, death dilemma. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, the greater good kind of sort of uh, mixed in here Mm -hmm. where there's a philosophy happening. Mm -hmm. Now, what you were saying is that because movie happens, there's a lot about this. There's a lot of things that, okay, science fiction and science fantasy are two different things. Science fiction, it has to be set within science, real grounded science. Yeah. There's a lot of these things where, okay, maybe it wouldn't happen. There's a lot that does. A lot of this movie is very accurate. Yeah, but there's things that, just human life. Yeah. That it's like, there is no way that would have happened. But because this is a philosophy movie, because this is a utilitarian sort of philosophy movie, they have to have something happen for the philosophy to happen. If you've ever taken a philosophy class, a lot of the, the, the things that they talk about is just like, this is hypothetical. It's, you know, it's a little hypothetical. Yeah. But that's the thing. I liked how this was utilitarian because it was set in space. So you also had this hopelessness of Mm -hmm. space. Yeah. This isn't like a trolley thing where you're set on earth and you can just like, Oh, peace out. Peace out. (laughs) This is the hopelessness that you're far from your planet. Mm -hmm. You're all, you're halfway to Mars. Yeah. And it's that hopelessness that kind of drives the thriller, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the philosophy of it. Uh, What did you think about all that? Um, of, of a philosophy story. Think that deeply about it? Yeah. <laughs> like I understood that that was what they were going. Doesn't mean for. that you're unintelligent for not. It's just that yeah. that's not that's what not you find I, in movies. Yeah, that's not how I think of movies. But like I understood that that's what they were going for. Like that, yeah. like trolley idea. By but, the way, um, um, before we go, the same director also was the director behind Arctic, which stars Mads Mikkelsen, and Ma- and that's another choice kind of uh, dilemma. So this yeah. this director likes his dilemma philosophy choices. So. Yes. Um, yeah, like I, said, I didn't think that you like I saw what they were doing, mm-hmm. but um, it was good. But again, like it's fine if you want to do phil- philosophical choices and things like that. Yeah. But again, for me, it's like it has to be believable. There's no way this this would have happened in yeah. real life. And that's what this movie's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, this could happen, but it couldn't. There's no way I see this no. ever happening. I don't understand. They never really explained how this happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that that was my biggest problem is that this, like, if you're going to choose, go ahead, choose more of dilemma, but choose one that you can actually build a story around. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Um, I, Closing our thoughts here, because we've reached the end of our movie minutes, but um it's not the perfectly paced movie Mm -hmm. it's not perfectly written but if you're looking for a just a philosophy moral Mm -hmm. decision and you like sci-fi thrillers and anna kendrick and anna kendrick i love anna kendrick um i don't think i would never say that she's the greatest actress but but she's very versatile yeah uh top five in my opinion yeah at least she's very good yeah Uh, remember she was in twilight oh yeah i forgot but anyways, 
Um, so yeah, that's our brief thoughts. Uh, I found it to be a solid film. Yeah, you enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. So, it's interesting. So wherever you lean on movies, that's where you we lean. So give it a chance. Uh, we we both recommend it. Mm-hmm. I'll probably watch it again. Yeah. But that's that's because I like sci-fi thrillers. So yeah. uh, that does it for movie minutes. Again, the movie is called Stowaway. You can find it on Netflix. Uh, I I definitely recommend it. Um, but you know, other than that, I think it's time to go into our next segment. What do you think? Okay. All right. So let's just get into it. Let's go into it with our second segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is the gaming news that we saw in the past week, and we like to rank it three, two, one, just to give you a condensed version of hey, what's going on in the video game industry? Hmm. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, who who's running this thing? You. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, there's, you know, there's a good thing that uh, happened this week. Um, you know, mostly people are more worried about, you know, Pokemon Snap coming out this week and mm-hmm. Returnal, but you know, na-na-na. um, but there's a, there's three things that we want to talk about in this segment. So I want to jump into number three. This is about Sony. Now, Sony apparently wants to, uh, quote, aggressively invest <laughs> in their first party studios. Now, okay, I'm coming as an Xbox fanboy, but I love that Sony is quote unquote aggressively yeah. putting into their uh first party studios. Now this is coming from an earnings call. By the way, the article that we're I'm that I'm quoting from, it's in the description down below. All the articles that I talk about are in the description. Uh in an earnings call, CFO uh Hiroki to Totoki. I think I said it right. Oopsies. That doesn't uh, sound right. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but the CFO of so, uh, Sony Interactive Studios, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, sorry, um, says he wants to pursue partnerships with third parties and aggressively uh, go into first parties. So he still wants to partner out with mm-hmm. outside studios. He still wants to get those partners in, yeah. uh, including him. He recorded with this with Jade Raymond's new studio, mm-hmm. Haven. Uh, he partnered with her and brought yeah. her in and made a PlayStation exclusive or currently making a PlayStation exclusive. And that brings me to this uh, quote right here. Uh, again, article is linked down below, but this quote says, in terms of Sony's own PlayStation Studios group, Totoki made it clear that it would be hugely increasing the amount of money given to first-party developers. On top of what's already spent, uh, he quotes, we plan to increase development personnel and other costs in our in-house studios by approximately $183 million year on year. He's planning to increase it by that much uh, as we further strengthen our in-house software. He wants to increase it by $183 million. on top of what they already get. That's another. That's insane. Well, this is a good thing. This is, it is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. It's just a lot of money. This is crazy. It's, it's great. And this is going to make first parties thrive. Now, a lot of you might be saying, oh, well, yeah, that's Sony. Sony's doing good. And I agree with you. Sony is doing great. I think this is great news. Mm-hmm. But you know why this is happening? Because Microsoft is pursuing competition. You may not think that Xbox is doing the right things. And that, sure, I I think they should aggressively go over first party rather than purchasing third party. I agree Mm -hmm. with you there. But because they have so many 
exclusives, Bethesda, all that exclusive third parties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this gives competition to Sony to saying like, hey, they got some heavy hitters. We can hit harder. And that yeah. means you, the Sony fans, are winning because Microsoft is competing. Yeah. So there's that. What, what do you think about that? I, I mean, like I said, it's great that they're putting all the money in. I do agree that is definitely aggressive. That's very aggressive. I just think it's funny that they're like really emphasizing like aggressive. We're yeah. doing this aggressively. He says it in the earnings call, aggressively so investing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really great that they're going to be investing all this money into games. I mean, like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get really good games, hopefully. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think that, you know... It might not be fun for Sony and Microsoft to be competing all the time, but it'll be good for us because then we'll get really good games out of it. Competition is always good for consumers. Absolutely. And imagine this. Imagine this. PS4, right? Yeah. You got Last of Us 2. You got mm-hmm. God of War. You got Horizon Zero Dawn. You got Ratchet and Clank. You got Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Now, double that. Imagine how much you were impressed with God of War, PS4, right? Imagine how impressed you were. Now PlayStation's like, more money to you. Yeah, like imagine how much more they can do with extra money, like... It's it's also crazy that this is coming right after the show. Uh, MLB The Show 21 Mm -hmm. comes to Game Pass day one. Yeah. Uh, The show that was a powerhouse in a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. (laughs) Is... And, and keep in mind, this is what's selling PlayStations as well. Sports yeah. fans, they want to play a baseball game. They're, they they got to buy a PlayStation. Yeah. Now the show comes to Game Pass day one. Mm-hmm. And this earning call comes right after that. The competition is ensuing. Hmm. And this is good for the consumer. So Yes, very good. That's, good for us. Yeah. Probably going to make it miserable to work for them. Uh, I don't know about that because well, that yeah. means that means a higher pay grade. That's true. That's more money to the developers, more money to well, more money to you know higher ups. I, we don't talk about this, but apparently CD Projekt Red, um, the board members, the five board members are splitting up twenty eight million dollars, whereas the uh, other developers are splitting the same amount with three hundred eighty five employees. Wow. So there's that, and also Bobby Kotick. Um, halved his salary, but is getting much more money and bonuses. So there's that. But this is good for developers. This is good for you. But mm-hmm. competition, good thing. End of sentence. So yeah. Why don't we go on to the number two gaming news, which is uh, another thing about competition, but in the PC gaming market. Mm-hmm. And this is about Microsoft. So Microsoft is actually coming out. And saying that they want to decrease or, um, you know, reduce, I should say. They want to reduce their revenue share for developers that want to bring their games over to the Windows Store from 30% to 12%. Nice. Yay. Just like Epic's doing. They're pulling Epic moves. You get it? Because Yes, I get it, dear. It's got two meanings. But uh, this is great news because, again, Microsoft is trying to pursue more competition. Mm-hmm. Wow. But uh so you saw it happening with PlayStation, right? Microsoft's, you know, purchased things and blah blah blah. Um and now Microsoft is now battling the PC market and uh this is in in total combat of Steam. Steam is still holding a 30% cut on their developers. Epic reduced it by 12%. Microsoft is reducing by 12%. And now they're just trying to get more developers over to their station. Mm-hmm. 
And there's that. Yeah. Now, I want to read a quote here from your good boy, Matt Booty. That's his real name. Yes, it is spelled Booty. B-O-T-Y. Booty. Uh, so we're going to go over to Matt Booty real quick. Why do you have to say it like that? Matt Booty has to say... <laughs> um, Mr. Matty Booty. Um, game developers are at the heart of bringing great games to our players. We want them, and I love this quote, we want them to find success on our platforms. A clear no strings attached, oh, sorry, a clear no strings attached revenue share means that developers can bring more games to more players and find great commercial success from doing so. Mm-hmm. So this is great. This is exactly what Epic is saying, and yeah. I'm sure they compared notes with Epic. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know, we also reported on Itch.io last week where Epic, you know, brought over Itch.io. And Itch.io, developers can say how much revenue share that they get. Mm-hmm. Now, Microsoft is saying that's 12%, you know, that yeah. you get a 12% instead of 30%, which that's a big difference, by the way. Mm-hmm. Let's say, okay, let's say this. You make a hundred grand off your game. Now uh, your game is on Steam, 30%. You got to pay up 30 grand, so you leave 70 grand with you. Cool. Great. But now you only have to pay Microsoft 12 grand. Wow. Mm-hmm. Math. So that leaves you with uh, 88 grand. Yeah. Yeah. 88 grand. So between the difference of 70 grand and 88 grand, and all you have to do is move your game from one store to the other. That's yeah. all you got to do yeah. and make uh, 18,000 more dollars. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Or or more than... You know what? Nah. It, it, you'll save $18,000. Yeah, you'll save $18,000. Yeah. You'll gain $18,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's only if you make hundred grand. So that's the point is that Xbox wants to get... Or not Xbox, but Microsoft mm-hmm. is bringing over more developers. Now, here's the problem. Just like with Epic, there's a lot of things that the Windows Store has to improve. Because yeah. the thing is... The thing is, sure, they can bring over developers... They have to bring over players. Yeah. Steam has one of the best user bases mm-hmm. of the PC market. Windows Store is unreliable at times. Uh, the search bar can be wonky. Like mm-hmm. Windows Store is a little bit weird. Yeah. Steam is a lot more mainline. Mm-hmm. And Steam has a lot more eyes. Steam yeah. still has more player base. Yeah. So even though, yeah, there's more of a player cut or, or less of a revenue share, there's still more players on Steam. Yes, but if you get more heavy hitters over on Microsoft Store mm-hmm. and people can't play the games they want to play on Steam, yeah. they're going to have to go. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like That's the thing that other the companies can remember is that like their fans will follow them because they want to play their game. Exactly. You know, so. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, too. And again, we're starting to see it with Sony. This is going to be the first part. We're not going to see immediate results from our first uh, gaming news, mm-hmm. number three, uh, by saying that, oh, uh, they're going to invest he- heavily. But you're going to see that, you know, three years down the line. Yeah. Same thing with this. You're not going to see Steam, like, say, oh, well, since Microsoft's doing it. Again, yeah. we're starting to see a little bit from Epic. Like, yeah. just a little bit. And Epic just did this last year yeah i think about a year ago year year and a half ago something like that they just did the epic game store it's still new and we're starting to see a little bit more progress with epic a little bit more Mm -hmm. but you're gonna see a lot of results down the line because eventually pc players are gonna be sick you know uh, Mm -hmm. or not pc players but developers yeah are gonna be sick of steam 
Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're going to go over to other stores where they make more money, and that's where the players are going to go. So uh, this is good news for competition. Competition is always good for you. Competition is great for you. Yes. Unless you're a PC gamer and you prefer Steam. Well, the sucks to suck, I guess. Um, yeah. But all this to say is that competition is great for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that. Welcome to capitalism, I guess. But capitalism is always good. But uh, let's move on to the number yeah. one gaming news, which is uh, something new, something fresh, and uh, battling toxic behavior on games. And that is with Valorant. Wow, Valorant. Cool. So Riot actually just updated its uh, its privacy uh, notice, right? It updated it by saying that, hey, listen, we're going to be recording some in-game chat. Okay? And why are they doing that? They're recording it for a what they call a chat modification, chat uh, moderation, sorry, a yeah. chat moderation tool, right? And it's going to use these uh, reports, right, only to, uh, you know, you know, kind of uh, scrub through and see if there was toxic behavior that is out of line for what Riot uh, mm-hmm. presents. Now, what's interesting about this news piece is that this sort of chat uh, moderation tool is the first uh, to be implemented into a game. Valorant will be the very first game to use this kind of tool mm-hmm. rather than a just plain report. Now you get to have a clip of audio, like actual proof of toxic behavior that's yeah. going to be scrubbed through by Riot themselves and they get to ban them. Yeah. So whenever I want to read this quote right here from the company. Uh, by the way, the article's linked down below. Riot said that the new voice moderation tools don't involve actively listening to live in-game audio, which is important to know. They're not going to be listening to you all the time for now. Uh, the studio clarified that we'll only listen to audio once a report has been filed. For now, the system will be beta tested in North America before expanding elsewhere around the world. Those concerned about their privacy can always opt out for a third-party voice chat app like Discord. So if you don't even care, if you just want to be, you know, uh, harassed online, they're like, fine, you can opt out. Let's go to Discord. It's fine. Just go yeah. ahead and go to Discord and uh, no harm done there. Yeah. So I like that option. It's like if you're going to, you know, misbehave and harass people online on our voice chat, we we have the right yeah. to, you know, go through your voice and uh, scrub through and find proof of it. Yeah. And if you go through Discord, that's an opt-out. Yeah. It's not on our system, so whatever. So this is really cool. Uh, and there's, you know, toxic behavior all over the place. I mean, especially oh yeah, as an Xbox fanboy, uh, going on the Xbox Live chat is horrible. Horrible experience. Yeah. Never do it. But Liz, what do you think about this news piece? I mean, I think it's good because it's like, you know, like you said, there's so many people mm-hmm. who go on online chat and just like, are horrible yeah. to like children. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that's, that's just horrible. And like, I think it's good that they're able to find a way to do it where they're not actively listening. You're not always being monitored. Yeah. But if you are a jerk, you can expect they are going to listen yeah. to your stuff. The only thing I see this becoming a problem of is kids messing around with it and being, and like trash talking with their friends and then turning around and being like, Oh, they were a jerk to me. Like just being just like messing with their friend and having their account like 
messed uh, with because as were... a former youth pastor, I've heard stories of that happening. Exactly. I know our kids happening. would do this. And they have done this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like now they can be like, oh, yeah, they were trash talking me. And they can go in through and be like, yeah, they were trash talking you. Yeah, exactly. And so we'll do but something. It has to violate their uh, pri- like their code of conduct. Yeah. So trash talking is not well, part of Well, no, it. I know that. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, you. but there are guys who like will just talk like that with their friends. Yeah. And so, you know, if they want to feel like messing with their friend that day, they can just go over file a report. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. And I liked how they said this is going to be beta tested in North America, which, mm-hmm. uh, sure, Canada and Mexico and beta tested. It's really going to be beta tested in the United States. Yeah. We hate each other, apparently. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they say North America, but they're going to focus on the America. States. They, yeah. they mean the States. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's like a perfect place to beta test this. Yes. Because um, apparently We're we don't. Worst. We are the worst. <laughs> so uh, that's our top three gaming news of the week. Uh, what do you think? Write your thoughts in the comments down below. Uh, Sony aggressively investing in their first party studios. What do you think about this? Is this good for you? Is is this finally coming to fruition about competition? Write your thoughts in the comments down below. Uh, Microsoft reducing its revenue share from 30% to 12%. Do you think Steam is going to finally bite the uh, bite the bullet here? Are they going to reduce it? Or is it going to take much more than that? It's going to take much more than that. Mm-hmm. Write your thoughts in the comments down below. Uh, Riot using this uh, chat moderation tool. Do you think this is violating some rights or do you think they're in the right for doing this? Write your thoughts in the comments down below. So with all that said and done, um, why don't we bring on our special guest? Okay. I, I'm very excited to talk to this person. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to him before in a, in a Long Island gaming convention. So I'm very excited to talk with him again. Uh, his name is RGT. It's also known as Retro Gaming Tube, 1985. Uh, you probably know him from YouTube. Uh, he's got a great channel where he talks about you know gaming news and he talks about retro games and uh, games of history. Really cool guy, really awesome dude from Long Island, and I'm gonna mess with him. I'm gonna mess with him about his New York Knicks. So let's just get on it with our final segment with our special guest, RGT85. Hockey time! All right, everybody, we are back with our good friend. RGT85, that doesn't stand for Retro Gaming Tube anymore because, you know, RGT, it's RGT85. Yay. <laughs> uh, should we call you RGT or should we just call you Sean for the show, I Whatever's guess? Whatever's easier, I don't care. All right, just call you Retro Gaming Tube for the rest of the show. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, Sean, uh, I wanted to bring you on the show because you got these great takes about the game industry. You you know what fun is. You used to work, used to be a head honcho, I would say, a Nintendo enthusiast. So you've gotten a lot around the industry and you love video games. You love the fun about them. Now, this is off the cuff. This is a question I haven't even given you, right? All right. The one thing I love about your Twitter feed, uh, you haven't done it in a while, but you are very unapologetic for your eating habits, okay? <laughs> uh, did you? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's not a shame. I just absolutely loved it. So I need to know, uh, exclusive on the podcast, what is probably the least healthy thing you've consumed in the past couple weeks? I mean, I can give you the least healthy thing I ate today. Like, I'm kind of on a diet because I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. But, like, I don't know, some days I'm just like, screw it. Yeah. And so, like, today I ate four slices of pizza. But that's, like, all oh, okay. I today. So, it's, you know, it kind of balanced. I had a slim fast for, for breakfast, lunch, 
and then I had four slices of pizza. So, you know, it'll Dang. balance out. I'll have a bowl of cereal. I mean, it's good. Dude, I like it, man. Nice. All right. Yeah, because I missed that. Like, I missed that a little bit. I was a little concerned on the Twitter, but I was like, this is really, this is a really interesting content. I like to see what this guy eats, but it's good to know that four slices of pizza is like the that's, least healthy. That's not that bad. What topping though? I need to know. Cheese, cheese. I, I just oh. like, I'm weird. I just like cheese pizza. Just give me straight see? cheese. I want to taste the cheese, the sauce, and the crust. Dang. That's all I want. See, I'm very complicated. I like. He my likes like crazy things. Like most I do is mushroom and onion. Yeah. Other than that, I'm just like, I'm good. Yeah. Put you always think that's bland. So. Oh, yeah. Hawaiian pizza all day. So every that's not day. even an option for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not too big on that either. <laughs> well, I mean, we still brought you on the show for any reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sean, I definitely want to get your takes on these because, you know, a lot lately uh, we've gotten you know, more serious about video games. We've been expecting cinematics, great stories, especially PlayStation. PlayStation is going after the big blockbuster games. However, we've kind of lost touch with this sort of dynamic in video games where it just needs to be a fun game, right? So yeah. I want to ask, just to set up the discussion, right? Where did this expectation come from? Where did it really start? Where we shifted from just having a really fun video game to more on the lines of we need a big blockbuster cinematic. And uh, Sean, I want to get your take on this. What do you think about this? I think it kind of, as far as the origins are concerned, I mean, you could definitely trace it back to, I think, the, the PlayStation 1 era. Because during the PlayStation 1 era, with the advancement of technology, which also plays a role in it, you started having these deeper narratives, like games like Metal Gear Solid, games mm. like Silent Hill, Resident Evil. Like The stories were one of the more interesting parts of those games, especially a game like Metal Gear Solid, which you know that story for that time frame was absolutely mind-blowing. And I really feel like that was a game that was sort of make it or break it as far as whether cinematic stuff was going to work because even you know kojima when he when that game released kojima and sony didn't know it was going to do well they actually thought it was going to you know mm. underperform and just kind of fade into obscurity you of course had you know rpg games games like you know the final fantasy games on the super nintendo mm. that had deep stories but that was sort of its own subsection it wasn't as you know thrown out there in the open in you know a bigger game and one thing I think is you really have to look at the the companies as far as um, how they handle their games, because to me, each of the three companies, Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo, they all sort of handle their games very, very different. Mm. You know, a game like, you know, when you look at Sony games, you got games like Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, Spider-Man, um, Days Gone. All these games have a very deep narrative story. When you look at Xbox at least for the past generation, aside from games like Rise of Rome, mm. uh, you know, you you didn't have those games. They focus more on games as a service to sort of, you know, sort of be like maybe a bit of an in-between. And then you have Nintendo, mm. who really, for the most part, aside from games like, you know, Paper Mario and, and some of their RPG offerings like Xenoblade, they don't, their games don't really have those stories in them. They're more about... Cre almost creating your own story like sure there's you know a protagonist and antagonist mm -hmm. and basic things but beyond that you know it, it's definitely a lot up to interpretation mm -hmm. so I, I i definitely feel like it started out at least heavily during the playstation one era because it was very different at the time mm -hmm. but now it's definitely becoming more of the norm like you almost have like the playstation template of of game now like when you play a game like 
Days Gone, God of War, and mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn, like you could see extreme parallels between these games as far as how they play out, how the stories play out, and just how the stories are told in general. So it, it's 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 interesting to see. Yeah, I, and I would think that the parallel is a lot le- less obvious than the way Ubisoft makes their games, where it's mm-hmm. just very much. Uh, you know, climb a tower, find this, but you're right that it's very much a cinematic tale, right? There, yeah. There's something wrong happening. Now that I think about it, now that you say it, now I'm seeing the, the uh, between God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Days Gone, especially, there's something wrong that happens mm-hmm. and, you know, terror ensues, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I, I do agree with you that. Uh, especially the Final Fantasy, you know, NES, there were some deep stories and it took a long time to beat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were still games that were a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Uh, even talking about F-Zero, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, uh, Liz, I want to hear your opinion about this. Where do you think it started that's this shift uh, into grand cinematics? Well, I don't know about, like, where or when, because I don't know mm-hmm. history of video games too much. But I think I kind I kind of agree. It started when they started doing more of the, like, movie type stories yeah with video games when you you know you start taking that more of like a storytelling role and then mm-hmm. like combat and gameplay a kind of second to the story yeah is when it started because it people start thinking of it more of a story than the video game aspect like mm-hmm. they care more about the story than they do about the gameplay at that point yeah so i think that's kind of like when it starts when you start treating it like a movie over a video game yeah, I do agree, and it, and it definitely we we see this um, grand of um, graphics, right? We mm-hmm. see this technology yeah, where I was going to say that too. Yeah, graphics can look much more realistic, mm-hmm. and they take that to be you know let's make it look more like a movie mm-hmm. rather than let's make this a better video game. Yeah, uh, and this and this line begins to blur as soon as, and it's, it can be a good thing. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, we want immersive. Um, games. I mean, Ratchet and Clank, we just saw the state of play there that it immerses you into the game and they're still focusing on that fun aspect. Yeah. But they're really using that technology to unblur the lines, I think. Yeah. But that's just uh, one example. But I think the where it really started, I mean, I don't really want to go against Sean because he probably knows more about gaming history than I do. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's put this frank here. But um, I definitely think it started in terms of generation, the Xbox 360, PS3, where graphics really mm-hmm. started to get away from that polygon-esque uh, look to it. Yeah, this, There were still were polygons in it, but it was still a, around that time where we, like, wow, graphics can yeah, look when, like this. Yeah. And that's when stories really start to start to spread apart, you know, talking mm-hmm. about like Metal Gears of the of that generation, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed of that generation, they start yeah. to branch out into the more of that. I remember when I played Until Dawn and they used Hayden Pan, they, they used the actors' real faces. Are you talking about Until Dawn? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when I saw Hayden Pantera, I'm like, oh, they can do that? Yeah. Like, that's awesome. And, like, I feel like that's kind of when it started doing that, when they started using the actual faces of the people doing the voices of the, of mm. the characters. Yeah. You know, that's when it starts getting that closer to that movie feeling especially when you're using movie actors yeah uh sean let me ask you about that so in terms of like the advancing of technology do you think they did it in the right now again this is an off the cuff uh kind of question here do you think they were in the right to make this technology more focused on making better stories or do you think it it should have went in the way of ratchet and clank 
I forget the subtext now. Um, ripped apart. Ripped apart. That's it. Do you think it should have gone that way? Um, what are your thoughts? I don't think there's a real necessarily a right or wrong answer mm. to that because I think I think having a blend is good. It's just mm-hmm. that when you look at Sony, the the one problem that a lot of people have with with Sony right now is that it, well Jim Ryan, you know, he always seems to put his foot in his own mouth and mm-hmm. he contradicts everything he says and it, it's very annoying. I'm I'm not a huge fan of of Jim Ryan, but yeah. um you know, he obviously wants to have this strong focus on cinematic AAA blockbuster mm-hmm. experiences. That's cool. But when you look at the PlayStation library of games from, you know, the PlayStation 1, 2, 3, you can even say the PlayStation 4, there's a lot of games on there. I mean, you had games like Ape Escape, Jack and Daxter, yeah. um, Ratchet and Clank. You had a balance of mm-hmm. of these cinematic games like Metal like the PlayStation 2, I think, is the perfect example. You had a balance of cinematic games like uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, and then you had all these Jack and Daxter games, and then you had games that were kind of in the middle at that point, uh, the God of War series. The God mm. of War series at that time, nobody cared about the story. It was yeah. like they had a, a, a mini game where you were like <laughs> sleeping with women and you had to press the buttons. It was all about the action yeah. in those games. So, you know, you had that you had that balance, whereas I feel like towards the tail end of the PS4's life cycle into the PS5, at least from what they've been saying so far, mm. it definitely looks like it's going to be more based on those cinematic things with Ratchet and Clank being more of an outlier than a commonplace thing. Mm. And especially with the closing of, um, or not necessarily closing, but the downsizing of Sony of Japan, yeah. because a lot of those ideas, you know, the more quirky niche ideas come from Sony of Japan. So yeah. Like that's where um, Gravity Rush come uh, came from, uh, PlayStation yep. Japan. Yeah. So you know you're never gonna see a Gravity Rush again. You're ne- no. you're probably never gonna see an Ape Escape, Jack and Daxter. I mean, maybe, but you know they're just more focused on things like Uncharted and uh, The Last of Us and your God of mm-hmm. War, the new style of God of War and Horizon. Which, I mean, from a business perspective, if it's selling, yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, make it. You yeah. know, yeah. like you know, don't worry about the smaller titles if you can do the smaller titles do them but from a consumer perspective i would like to see you know that variety going mm-hmm. forward i just i just don't necessarily think it's going to happen yeah i, I mean i can it can definitely relate to um the, the way you can think about youtube right if the if the video topic is getting more views of course you as a youtuber like you want to game more towards that, but I, I see the way you do YouTube. You also like to do your own mix as well. So it's not only just going on the things that work, mm-hmm. but going on things that, you know, are a little bit more niche too. Mm-hmm. Um, would that relate at all? Do you think, um, do you disagree with that? No, I think so. Because I mean, there's pro I mean, there's videos that I want to make that I'm like, okay, I can make this. It's not going to do as good as a normal video. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. You know, it, it yeah. is what it is. If, if I want to make it, I'm going to make it. And sometimes it'll surprise you. Sometimes it'll end yeah. up doing well. You have to, you know, and sometimes it'll just pick up in an algorithm randomly. And the <laughs> next thing you know, it, the video blew up. So, you know, it's very, it's, you, know, you never really know what's going to work and what's not going to work. I mean, you have an idea based on previous trends of what will be popular mm. but you, you never really know and i think it's the same way with video games yeah. like you have your you have your staple franchises but all because you necessarily release a game within your staple franchise that might not do as good as you wanted it to and then you might sure. have a niche game 
you know, look at it, look at a game like Among Us or something like yeah. that. I was like, going to say Valheim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like those games, when they came out, nobody cared about them. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, popular Twitch streamer picks it up. And then everyone was like, oh, what's this game? And then yeah. you wake up and you're a millionaire. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a, it's an interesting industry where there is that level of unpredictability, much like in YouTube. Like, even if you mm-hmm. have like, oh, yeah, this video is going to do awesome. And then you I'm the type of person where like I don't look at my views until like the next day the earliest because hey, there's nothing you can really do to change anything so it's like oh yeah this video is gonna do great and then you wake up and you're like oh man it didn't do that good all right you know go back to the drawing board what are you gonna right. do so mm-hmm. i mean it, it can relate a lot to the video game industry and i'm not trying to say that like it's exactly like it because you know a video can only take you know maximum maybe a week to make whereas a video game takes four years yeah you know right. maybe yeah. two uh of course it's not the same thing but you know but the same mentality the same mentality you know of course a niche game wouldn't do that now i want to shift this uh to the mindset of gamers right and mm-hmm. the way we expect things right uh i want to ask uh is it a wrong thing to expect cinematic stories is it, is it a wrong thing to want art forms and really deep diving stories and on the flip side of the argument, is it ever wrong to only expect fun factors from games, even though games should be, mm-hmm. you know, fun factor? Um, I want to pass it back to Sean real quick before, you know, we give our takes. But yeah, what do you think about that? Um, You know, it's it, it just, you know, it, the video game industry has, has changed so much in terms of types of people playing games. Mm. You know, it used to be, you know, your, your typical boys club. You know, during the NES days, mm. it was, you know, you had those styles of games. But as time has gone on, you've had, you know, uh, you know, women, different ethnicities, different mm. uh, genders, different sexualities, different age groups come into it. So I feel like you have to have a more diverse lineup of games mm-hmm. to appeal to different people if that's what you want to do. If, if you want your game to be, you know, a dude bro shooter, then make yeah. a game a dude bro shooter. But realize that, you know, grandma isn't going to want to play that game. <laughs> yeah. but. You know, at the same time, it it, it kind of just depends because I feel like when you see an initial trailer for a game, you can kind of get a feeling of what that game is going to represent. Is it going to be, you know, the term I like to use for games like Life is Strange or something, mm. the, the artsy fartsy games. I'm never going to play those games. Those games have zero interest to me, but I understand that there is a mm-hmm. large segment of people that do enjoy those games. So for them, it's a good thing for me. I could care less. I'll look for something else within the sphere. But I think you get so many, I mean, especially considering, you know, the NES Super Nintendo generation, comparative to now, how many games come out mm. from different companies for different styles. I mean, I really feel like you could find either a cinematic experience or a just a pure fun factor experience mm-hmm. on the same console. Mm. Now, as far as, you know, making it a priority, which kind of goes back to the initial uh topic we had you know it just kind of depends on the company i i don't ever foresee nintendo necessarily making a game that's aside from an rpg you know an action platform or something mm-hmm. that's heavily based on story or mm-hmm. uncharted the nintendo edition like that like I yeah, just, I, they, yeah. as a company they don't seem to they focus more on the fun factor side of things whereas yeah. a company like sony they're like we want these stories to make you cry <laughs> reconsider yeah. your life <laughs> <laughs> Right. I and when you when you uh were talking about that, the immediately the game I, I played for the first time recently was Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle mm-hmm. on Nintendo. I mm-hmm. did not think I would have that much fun 
with the game, and then I picked it up on sale. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and that's the thing. It was a fun factor game. I don't think yeah. it was the most dynamic game in the world, but did I have a lot of fun with it? Heck yeah. I, do, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, Liz, I, I want to ask you, do you think it's wrong for you to only expect cinematics of games? Because you lean towards the, you know, uh, narrative based. Yeah. You don't really lean towards, you know, I want fun with this game. Yeah. You want. I want emotion. Yeah. It's I funny. Cry. That, it's funny that he <laughs> said life is strange because that's. I know that is my favorite game. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, I completely agree with him where yeah. you, you know, it's, it should be diverse and that's okay that it's diverse. But my first thought when you asked that question was the biggest thing not the biggest thing, but when you watch like documentaries and things like that about electronics and media and things like that, they always say they tell you what you want. Right. So I don't think it's wrong to want those things because that's what the gaming industry has been telling you. This is what you want because this is what we're putting out. Yeah. So I don't think it's wrong to want those things. I don't think it's wrong to want the fun things either. They're not really for me. I can play them for maybe 10, 20 minutes and then I'm kind of over it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with liking what you like. As as long as you don't like anything illegal, it's not wrong to like something you like. Right. And I like what you uh, said there, that the gaming industry tells you what you should like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think I'll bring this to the F-Zero example, right? Um, there, uh, my, my answer for the, for the question is that I, I think that it can be wrong to only expect a, a game to have cinematics. Sometimes it will not fulfill well, that. Expect and want are two different things. You said one. Oh. Well, and then you just change it to expect. Those are two different questions. Well, I'm I'm the moderator right. of the show, so I will <laughs> change it the way I like. Expect is wrong. Want is fine. Well, you know what? I'm going to move on with my answer. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think that to only once and desire and expect uh, a game company to have these cinematics that makes you cry. Uh, one thing, why, why do you want to cry? Second of all, but to expect uh, to only expect fun factors mm-hmm. that that's the one that kind of th- throws me off, even though I'm the one that wrote the question um, <laughs> is that a game should be fun because the yeah. definition of a game should be fun. But however, what is your expectation of a fun yeah, game? Yeah, that's an, a gray area of like, what's your idea of fun? And that's why I want to bring to the F-Zero. Uh, I want to bring up this topic before we go into social media answers, right? Uh, we heard an example, I want to say a week, maybe two weeks ago, where, um, oh no, who was the former C- uh, Nintendo? Oh no, I can't remember his name who uh, was to speaking to IGN and he said that F zero is not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not dead. It just needs a grand idea. Yeah. But why? And I, and I think this is this expectation that games need to be just blockbuster games mm-hmm. when really the gaming industry says uh, like, listen, I know you have fun with F zero, but you can't have fun with F zero until we have a grand idea. Yeah. What, what does that even mean? Right. And, um, I definitely want to get Sean's take on this because, yeah. uh, Sean, uh, you're pretty much the head honcho. Um, I, I, I think you were the CEO of Nintendo Enthusiast. If I did my research right, I, I think I did it right. Yeah. Ce- editor in chief. Editor in chief. Okay. So basically, was... CEO. I'm what, what I'm doing. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, editor in chief at Nintendo Enthusiast. You follow Nintendo very heavily. Uh, what do you think he actually meant when he said a grand idea to bring F Zero back? I I think it was a bunch of BS. Yeah. Because when you look at when you when you look at grand ideas, the the whole grand idea thing 
is actually very interesting because I also equate grand ideas to the rise of technology. Mm-hmm. Look at the N64. You couldn't have Super Mario Brothers 5 or, or Super Mario Brothers 4 or Super Mario World 2 mm-hmm. on the N64 as a 2D game. Mm-hmm. You had to make this 3D game with Mario. Same thing with The Legend of Zelda. You had to make Ocarina of Time, this grand 3D adventure. However, ever since those games have had those grand ideas, up until Breath of the Wild, you know, every 3D Mario game, uh, Galaxy, Galaxy 2, Odyssey, they've all sort of followed the Super Mario 64 formula as far as how the game plays out. Same thing with The Legend of Zelda. Mm. Every 3D game after um, Ocarina of Time, up until Breath of the Wild, right. had that same sort of style. And then Breath of the Wild came around. And then all of a sudden, everyone got these grand ideas from Nintendo of essentially rebooting your franchises. Looking at a looking at a franchise like F Zero, F Zero does not have F Zero is like Metroid, mm. and Metroid once again it had its grand reimagining, but this was on the GameCube with Metroid yeah. Prime. And then ever since then, ever since the Metroid Prime trilogy, what has Metroid really done? Like mm. offshoot games and you know remasters and questionable games like Federation Forces. <laughs> So um, let's look at F-Zero. You had what? You had F-Zero on the Super Nintendo, sold mm-hmm. decent. You had F-Zero on the N64, nothing really sold great on the N64. Mm. You had F-Zero on the GameCube, and then it was a great game. Once again, it didn't sell all that great, and Nintendo didn't even make that game. Sega oh. made that game. Mm. So yeah. really, Nintendo hasn't made an F-Zero since the N64. Yes. And it's like, when you look at what F-Zero is... It's a it's a fast-paced racing game. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Like that's all you need. Yeah. And the thing the most bizarre thing to me is you have a company who works with you on games with Sheenan, Shinen, I never know how to say it, who made Fast RMX, which yeah. is essentially F0. Just mm-hmm. outsource the project. Yeah. Outsource the project to uh, to a company like that. Like you outsourced F Zero on the uh, GameCube mm-hmm. to Sega. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a weird. It really to me it just comes down to a business thing. If Metroid games and F Zero games, not to lump them together, but we're lumping them together. <laughs> if those games sold like Mario and Zelda did, you would get them all the time. But yeah. they yeah. don't. Look yeah. at the sales of Metroid. Metroid yeah. is one of the the biggest franchises in Nintendo fans' minds, but it never sells all that great. F-Zero yeah. is the same sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's what it really boils down to. They threw in the F-Zero stuff into Mario Kart 8. Once mm. again, another franchise based on racing that really hasn't had any grandiose ideas or yeah. anything like yeah. that. Just a rise of technology, better graphics, online play, things like mm-hmm. that, more characters. And then look at where that franchise went. Why? Yeah. Because it sold. Because that's what people wanted. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of it was kind of just a way to... You know, oh, you know, never say never, but like mm-hmm. I, I just don't I don't know. Like yeah. I just don't foresee F Zero really ever coming back. Yeah. It's unfortunate because like you said, what F Zero is, it's just a fast paced racing game. It's a fun game. It's it's a really fun game. Um but at the same time, the gamers' expectations, and I really want to say the gaming industry expectation is that, like, listen, you need high-selling games. You need grand games. You need grand idea games. You need games that sell well every single time because they're running big businesses. And mm-hmm. I get it from a business standpoint. Um, Sean, you were saying that. You get it from a business standpoint. Yeah. Um, but, however, it almost feels like we're, we're getting rid of that niche market. Like, the, the gaming industry seems like it doesn't care about the niche market yeah um you know twitter went around with that sean layden clip 
right? When he was talking about that PS Vita game. And I and I can't remember for the life of me. This is the third time on this very show that I can't remember the name of something. But where he's just talking about this like really niche PS Vita game. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh wow, this game really, you know, it didn't sell millions, but that doesn't matter. And it made Sean Lane look like he cared about the niche market. And I and I think that. He did in some form fashion more than yeah. Jim Ryan does. Yeah. But really, the gaming industry doesn't. It, the more we go across, it's a lot like what the news tells you. They don't care about the middle class. This, they don't care about the niche market. You know, yeah. it, it, when we're talking about fun in games, fun is really a niche market. Mm-hmm. But a cinematic game is the big sellers. You yeah. know, like, you know, I don't know, off the top of my head, uh, what, what uh, a Last of Us remake. Uh, are they making that pretty soon? Yeah, they are. Which is why? Because it'll make money. It won't make money. It's like so that, ridiculous. And that's, and, I mean, we've, and we've said this in other episodes where they do it because it makes money. They will keep doing it. If you keep buying it, mm-hmm. they're going to keep making them. That's what makes the money. That's what they're going to spend their money on they're not going to spend their money on making a fun game that only a couple thousand people like when they can make another game mm-hmm. for a little bit more money and get like th- it like triple in the return because almost every gamer is going to play it exactly so um any final thoughts before i move on to social media answers nope cool. rest in peace f-zero <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i'll accept that yeah um uh, <laughs> So I want to move on to a little segment that we call Social Media Answers. Hooray, confetti flying down the ceiling. Hooray. Um, what What is that? That's just asbestos? Oh, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, Adam. But uh, I want to bring it over to Social Media Answers. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, but more especially, more especially, wow, on Discord. Hooray. Link is in the description down below. And I will ask you on these social media answers, um, you know, a certain question pertaining to the topic that we have on the show. So the question I asked is, is the gaming culture taking video games too seriously? So I said gaming culture, gaming mm-hmm. industry, gamers alike. Are we taking games way too seriously? Right. So I have three answers from the Discord. Well, on Twitter, Mike Hetty, friend of the show. Um, she, she posted a GIF. She posted a GIF. It's so, funny. Go check it out. Cool. But I have three answers, really well thought out answers. And I want to start with Tufer's answer. So Tufer says, uh, very briefly, when he says, are gamers taking games too seriously? He says, in my opinion, no. Taking a hobby or something you're passionate about is never a bad thing. And I'm assuming he means taking a hobby that you are passionate about uh, seriously. Yeah. yeah. What I like is his last sentence. I'd say people take it too personally. I think there's a difference there between taking yeah. something seriously and taking it too personally. Sean, yeah. I want to bring it to you. What do you think about that? When we talk about our gamers taking it too seriously or personally, what do you think the difference is there? Yeah. I mean, that's tough because I kind of equate, I equate when someone takes something very seriously to them kind of taking it personally, because mm. I follow a lot of different people on Twitter, I have some people that are diehard Xbox fans. Only Xbox mm-hmm. is good. I have diehard Nintendo fans. I have diehard PlayStation fans. And they take things very seriously to the point of personally. Mm-hmm. Like Metacritic scores are like the be all end all. And I'm like, 
who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a variety of opinions generating a score. Like, why does yeah. this matter to you so much? Did you buy the game? Do you like the game? What does it matter that, you know, IGN or GameStop or, you know, some rando person on the internet doesn't like the game? How mm-hmm. is that affecting your experience with the game? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just like my reviews. Like, I reviewed game. I know um, I can think of two games off the top of my head that mm. have way more dislikes on it than likes when it comes to reviews on my channel. Crash Team Racing, the remastered edition, and Dead by Daylight. Oh. I didn't like either of those games because with Dead by Daylight, I love Friday the 13th, and I thought it sucked compared to to um, to Friday the 13th, and I, yeah. I, just, I couldn't get into it. And... Um, Crash Team Racing, I thought the AI was atrocious. The AI was mm-hmm. absolutely atrocious. I literally put clips of the AI cheating in the game, but people weren't able to see my perspective on it, and they just mm-hmm. thought, oh, he's just dogging this game. Dislike, I hate you, die. And I was like, what's wrong with you? What yeah. is wrong with you? Like, right. I, I get it. We have a differentiating opinion, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's 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 not that serious. Like, calm down. Take mm-hmm. a blood pressure pill. Take a Xanax, mm. something. <laughs> And I do agree with you that you can take it passionately. And and I feel like there really isn't a difference between taking it seriously and taking it personally. Mm-hmm. It's just a line that you cross. There's some, yes. yeah. When you take it seriously, you take it passionately. You know, yeah. I like video games, which is why I take it seriously by making a video game podcast. I guess yeah. here we are. I think, yeah. I think Tufer was reading serious as different because you can take it in two different ways in this question. Mm. You can take it as serious. Like I am serious about video games. Like I yeah. think they're like you're you're like he's using it as in a hobby. It, you're you're just in deep with like mm. your love and passion. Like that's what he's seeing it as serious. Yeah. Whereas we're thinking of it as serious as like you're taking it too far. Yeah. Like the like there's like a personal side of serious and then there's like a a passion side of serious that he's thinking of it as a passion side. We're thinking of it as the personal side. Yeah. So I think that's, so I think we're all saying the same thing. It's just, he read it. He read the question differently than how you meant it. Yeah. But I I, I like his sentence. Oh yeah, definitely. It's not the fact that like, we're taking it too passionately. It's not the fact that the gaming industry is taking it too uh, passionately. Mm -hmm. The one example I love, and we talked about it with, you know, Ratchet and Clank, but I think of Insomniac games when they talk about, you know, games being passionate, they take it seriously. Mm -hmm. The one game I think about is uh, song of the deep, which is Mm -hmm. uh, another niche game that they made. And I remember, you know, the making of song of the deep, they, they were very passionate about it. They really wanted to give you a great Metroidvania type of game, but underwater, but then you take it too seriously. We talked about the fans, right? Yeah. You know, I'm sure Sean has more experience with this than I do, where fans are just dogging him all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, thank goodness. Oh no, I'm a small YouTuber, I don't get to touch it. Well, that may be a good thing. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the thing, is that maybe we are taking this too personally when it's just a game. Yeah. For PlayStation fans, guess what? Jim Ryan doesn't know who you are. Yeah. And for, he doesn't care. For me, I'm an Xbox fan. Phil Spencer doesn't care who i am yeah he does not care matt booty i wish he knew what i was but he doesn't i will i will forever uh be sad that matt booty doesn't know my name you just like his name <laughs> i do it's <laughs> a good name it's a great name man i just love how you insist on saying his last name that way matt booty. yeah i'm supporting matty booty oh goodness so i want to move on to my second piece of uh gaming culture now this is coming from game simp who is actually a um he was in college He's going into economics, finances. Mm-hmm. So he's got that economic mindset. Right? Yeah. So GameSimp has to say, 
Uh, this is a multifaceted question by multifaceted uh, college, college student here. So this is a multifaceted question that you can answer in probably a hundred different ways. Mm -hmm. From the angle of expectations versus reality, I believe that some gamers take games too seriously. With the recent price increase of AAA games from $60 to $70 in the U.S., I believe gamers are expecting more quality than quant. Um, Sorry, I'm expecting uh, gamers to expect more quality and content from their games. They want more bang for their buck. Yeah. For example, people seem to be writing of Returnal as not worth $70 before the game even releases, which I find a little strange. Still, I cannot blame gamers for having high expectations when a higher price is introduced, even if games are technically cheaper than ever before in terms of inflation perspective. So and that's how you know he's an economics major. Yeah, he's a he's a finance <laughs> major. Uh, someday he'll be working for the show, and uh, that will be that. But oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I already decided. But um, I like this example. Like for example, people seem to be writing that Returnal is not worth seventy dollars. Um, Sean, do you pick up Returnal at all? I didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, I don't I, have a PS Five, so. <laughs> yeah, I saw some um, like trailers of it the other day. I'm like, oh, that looks good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't but think anything's it, but is worth seventy dollars. Is though? it seventy dollars? I'm cheap. I don't think anything's worth seventy dollars. <laughs> <laughs> True. The, pro so. the problem I had with Returnal, as far as making that a day one purchase to me, was there was two things going against it that I'm not a huge fan of in games. Hmm. The first thing being that it's a roguelite experience. Yeah, I am tired of roguelite games. I do not want to play any more roguelike games because mm -hmm. to me, it's almost becoming a thing where it's like, Hey, we can make this game difficult as we want to the point of where you're going to be doing the same areas over and over and over again, just getting a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And that way that's going to give you tons of gameplay time. We'll sprinkle mm -hmm. in new weapons and things like that. But I almost feel like, and I could be completely wrong on it. It's just my personal stance on it, but I almost feel like some companies are using that as a crutch to make games feel bigger than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And the second part of Returnal is, you know, people's it's a game that's based around high difficulty. You know, you're going to die a lot. Uh, the, you know, Dark Souls. Demon, yeah. I bought Demon Souls for $70. Never had played Demon Souls before. I played Dark Souls games before, but never Demon Souls. I bought it for $70. I played it for two hours. I was like, nah, nah I'm good. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. I don't like I don't mind a challenge. But I don't like when a game is designed around a challenge as yeah. far as that's the big selling point of the mm -hmm. game. And I know there's people, you know, go back to the fun factor. Some people think those games are just so much fun and they love to redo mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I don't. So it's like I just yeah. kind of steer clear of those games. Yeah, I'll check out Returnal when it's like 40 or $50. But on the, on the flip side, I did buy new pokemon snap heck yeah blast with it just nice and slow you're just going around oh, look at this a nice picture let me throw an apple at you so you <laughs> interact with me like i have a blast with it you know right. but you know different strokes for different folks yeah and i think that's the the take on it is that not only expecting the game to be fun but expecting all gamers to have yeah. fun with this particular yeah. game like sean how dare you not have fun with roguelike games? For for me, it's roguelike for you. For me, I hate survival games. Can't stand them. I don't have fun with it. I don't mm -hmm. like Subnautica because it's a survival game. If it's a survival game, 90% of the time, don't like it. Yeah. Um, and that's just not my typical fun. But for me, it's just like, how dare you not have fun with Subnautica? Mm -hmm. It's just like, I, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't like it. Or even 
uh, I haven't even touched um, Valheim because mm-hmm. it's survival. And it's just like, I, I, I won't have fun with that game. It's just been yeah. simple as that. Yeah. But uh, it's this expectation of, like what he said, you know, you need to have more bang with your buck. You need to be more serious about it. You know, this is a, this is an investment now. Or even, why isn't everybody having, having fun with this game? Um, Liz, do you have any other thoughts on GameSims answer? Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't really remember everything he said at this point. Uh, yeah, and I and I kind of want to move on to uh, the final uh, social media answer that we have. And this mm-hmm. is from Commander Nikki. Uh, who then has another way of saying it where it's gaming culture, right? Mm-hmm. She puts in esports, creative jobs, hobbies. So I want to read from her. She says, I mean, gaming, and I think she's seeing this as a whole, mm-hmm. gaming should be taken seriously as a hobby, as a creative job, uh, which is what, you know, Sean does. Yeah. Uh, and esports, uh, esports should be accepted as an actual sport like chess is, which, um, are we accepting chess as an actual sport now? I guess. Sure. Why not? Okay, then. Poker is an actual sport. But, yeah, some of the uh, some gamers take stuff way too serious, making a fuss about things that aren't bad. Uh, same goes for devs. They take stuff so, and I like this part right here. Same goes for devs, that they take stuff so seriously that they are will- willing to take risks. And games get rejected for a sequel because it hasn't had enough fans Mm -hmm. and the studio heads continue to aim for the next big hype title while pushing the workers from one crunch to another and the big hype titles make smaller titles almost disappear and you'll never hear about them unless you move into the right bubbles so yeah in terms of seriousness there should be a healthy mix of both being taken serious from the outside and less seriousness from the inside Mm. and i like that saying that's you know, especially um, I think Jeff Gilly is doing, you know, good work, whether you agree or not. He's doing good work by making games, you know, serious from the outside. Like, oh, it's kind of like the Oscars. But, you know, Joseph Farris is there. So it's a little mix of both. <laughs> but I do think, you know, like, Sean, you, you have a creative job on YouTube on making great videos, fantastic videos. His link Horrible to the, videos. Stop. <laughs> his link uh, to the uh, his YouTube channel is linked down below. Uh, go check it out. And um, but yeah, there's also things that should be taken seriously from the outside, but from the inside, she's right. Mm-hmm. You know, games are taken so seriously that they need to have this creative crunch, right? Yeah. That they're willing to take health risks. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was reports from Halo Two that like they didn't see the light of day. For like like three months, they had to sleep on, and that, that is not healthy. Yeah, but it's a common story that they will yeah. sleep under their desks. They won't see the light of day. They won't see their families. Um, look at Red Dead Redemption Two. They had to work a yeah. hundred hour work weeks. Yeah, right. That's just not healthy, man. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what do you think about this answer? That's you know serious from the outside, but less seriousness from the inside. What do you think about that? I think it's interesting because it's almost a twofold thing because you're seeing two different things that have happened recently. One thing is uh, recent as today with um, with that. So one of the things was that you make a game uh, that the comments said that you make a game, but you don't get enough fans. But it depends on the company, Mm. because when you look at Sony and the whole Days Gone situation, Days Gone sold very well for a brand new IP. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Sony didn't like the Metacritic score. So they're like, nah, we're not going to do Days Gone 2. Yeah. Metacritic score. What is wrong with you? Right. And then on the flip side, 
you have to talk about the, the, the passion projects or whatever. Look at what just happened with Toys for Bob today. <sighs> yeah. Toys for Bob, of course, made um, Crash Bandicoot 4, amazing 3D platformer. Highly recommend everyone play that game. I don't mm -hmm. care what system you play it on. Awesome game. Very challenging, but fun challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, Spyro Reignited, the Crash mm. Insane Trilogy. And what happened to them today? Oh, you guys aren't going to make those fun games anymore. You're going to work on Call of Duty Warzone yeah. from now on. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's like, what? Like, what? So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's very interesting how a lot of these companies don't seem to reflect on the, – uh, they take it a little too serious to where there's no, there's no leverage. There's, no, there's mm -hmm. no good balance. And Jeff Keighley – Jeff Keighley's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, like I'm on the middle with him. I, I, I think especially I, my, my problem, my problem with Keighley is he tries to pander too much to Hollywood. Yeah. And when you look mm -hmm. at everything, when you, if you look at Hollywood versus video games right now, video games are the bigger medium by far. Video mm -hmm. games are the biggest entertainment medium in the world. More than mu movies, more than music, more mm -hmm. than television. Mm -hmm. Hollywood should be pandering to them. To the video mm -hmm. game industry, yeah. not the other way around. So yeah. that's that's my main beef with Keeley. I will say I was I was kind of snide with him once on Twitter. <laughs> um, he said something about like what, what for like last year's Game Awards before the Game Awards. He was like, "What would you like to see at the Game Awards this year?" I was like, "You should cancel it." <laughs> and like he, had, he actually had a, like a discussion with me about it because yeah. I don't know. It just I I, I hate award shows mm -hmm. like to begin with because it's like. Who is deciding this stuff in the first place? Like, mm -hmm. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but it's like, Go for who it, are yeah. these esteemed panel of people? And then you look at the esteemed panel of people and it's like random people from like newspapers and stuff like yeah. that. It's like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. because newspapers, that's that's the growing medium right now. You know, and then you have all these <laughs> categories that don't make sense. And then you have the show itself where it's supposed to be about the categories, but they don't even show half of the awards going out. They're like, all right, so let's just rapid fire through best action game, best sports game, best indie game, best the best story in a game all right now here's a music artist a conway twitty or you know whatever <laughs> random music person they have that i've never heard of before and it's like what do you want the show to be yeah like yeah I, I i don't know like and that and to bring it back full circle it goes back to this the seriousness of it do you want it to be a, a, a suit and tie gala event or mm -hmm. do you want it to be you know some scrub in a probably dirty white t-shirt with a dirty hoodie smelly on uh smelly hoodie on uh you know with a hat of the new york knicks because they're the best basketball team I you want that person that, to, be, <laughs> to be representing your thing so you know yeah. and, and the problem is when you look at music when you look at movies when you look at television when you look at you know every other form of entertainment pretty much it's been established. It's mm -hmm. been established mm -hmm. for a very long time. There's traditions there are things going on the video game industry is really you could go back to the Atari and television Coleco stuff, but to, for most people, the video game industry started in 1985, at mm -hmm. least in the States when the NES launched and mm -hmm. that changed everything. So you're talking about a medium that's 35, 36 years old. Like mm -hmm. it's still very much in its infancy. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's hard to figure out where you want this to go. And I agree with you. Like, um, I, I do agree that Jeff Keighley does pander. And, I, and that's like the worst case is that I like what you said, that the movie industry, Hollywood, should be pandering to video game industry. And yet video game industry is so much bigger. And yet we do Holly not have our stuff together. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but it, and yet with all those sales, you know, as, as big as the industry is, 
Hollywood's still like, ah, still you're not, not real. You're not real. They, but they are coming. You got to think of oh, one yeah. thing. Yeah. Think of how many movies mm-hmm. all of a sudden, how many TV, Last of Us TV show. Yeah. Ghost of Tsushima, I mm-hmm. think, is getting a TV show or a movie. It's a There's movie. A Mario yeah. movie coming out. You had movies like oh, Pixels and uh, Wreck-It Ralph and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would say in the past yeah. decade, you know, aside from the, the cheesy 90s movies, sure. which I adore every single one of those cheesy 90 video game movies. I will watch the original Mortal Kombat and the original um, Street Fighter movie a million times in a row and love every second of it. Oh, but, yeah. you know, once it started to take it more seriously mm-hmm. um, from the, the movie and film perspective of adaptations of video games, like, you know, now they're trying to creep in. But for some reason, I guess I guess you would call them the higher ups, which I don't mm. understand how these people rose to the ranks in the first place but you know the higher ups still want to pander to that hollywood audience and i'm like just drop it let them come Mm -hmm. to you if anything you know why are you asking them they should be asking you hey can i be on this show you know i want to get in on this i want to keep my relevancy so right yeah uh I, I, I kind of want to transition this into a final question and then kind of transition into our closing thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk, we're talking about Hollywood. We're talking about the video game industry, how we're taking things too seriously, how uh, game devs will really risk their lives. Let's put it this way. They're risking their lives in terms of internal health, right? Yeah. Depression and all that. I, I, I loved, uh, even though we talked a little bit uh, pre-show about Jason Schreier, I liked his report about bioware with anthem and how people were just in closets crying for Mm -hmm. hours right and just for them to be esteemed you know just for just for the industry to be esteemed and they're taking it that seriously my final question before we go into closing thoughts is that do we think that the gaming industry right would be as big as we are where we're competing way out of uh, the league out of the movie industry, do you think we, the game industry would be as big if we didn't take stuff seriously and we only focused on fun factors in games? Uh, Sean, I want to bring it to you. Do you think it would be as big? Uh, because you've been following it for many, many years. Too long. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's tough because when you look at you know the best-selling games of all time, most of them have come during the PlayStation 2 era and up. Aside from, you know, you could say Super Mario Brothers, but that's been re-released on so many things. And Tetris. Tetris is, you know, one of the best-selling games of all time. Mm-hmm. That also was released on a, a myriad of things. When you yeah. look at, you know, the 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 real stuff as the industry grew, you know, it definitely it definitely took on a life form of its own to where you started getting those different experiences. I think I honestly feel like it was inevitable Mm. at some point in time you were going to start getting different types of games because more people were getting into gaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the, look at the Wii, like everyone had a Wii and they had Wii sports and Mm -hmm. maybe that was the only game they bought because the Wii for as successful as it was in terms of hardware, software sales were terrible on that Mm -hmm. thing. Like, Mm -hmm. Like Zelda sold like, um, Skyward Sword sold like, I think maybe 3 million on an install base of yeah. like 110 million plus. Like you had games. We all, one of the best selling games on the Nintendo Wii was to this day was hmm. Carnival Game, which was really, there was a combination of like Carnival games. Yeah. It was, it was really crap. 2K games made it. And it was one of the best selling games. You did not have, you had these experiences. You had these deeper experiences mm-hmm. on 
the Nintendo Wii, but nobody was buying them. You had mm. games like Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which is the most underrated Silent Hill game. It also came out on the PS2 and I believe the PSP as well. But just that game, that the storytelling in that game, absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Everything you did in that game would impact the world around you and it would impact how the game would play out. There was like, I want to say 20 different endings in the game mm. based on like a psychological profile that the game was building up as you went along. Nobody bought it. Nobody bought it. Nobody played it. it it's one of the most underrated games of all time. And it was still that cinematic like experience because there was actually no combat in the game. You just ran away from enemies mm. and like you would have to like move the nunchuck and Wiimote to like knock something down to slow them down and things mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, I, I think that to make a long story short, <laughs> I think that um, at some point in time it was going to shift. I just feel like the shift for specific companies has been too heavily focused on the cinematic stuff while leaving the fun stuff behind. Um, and then you have a company like Nintendo who does the complete opposite. Mm. So it's it's about finding that balance. But as far as, you know, I, I definitely think this would have happened one way or another. Mm. Would it have taken, you know, longer? Maybe. But, mm. you know, it, it's hard to say because those games that came out on PlayStation 1 were going to come out on the PlayStation 1. Those Metal Gear Solids, those original Silent Hills, the Final Fantasy VII. Like, look at the story of that game. Like, yeah. people are still not over that yet and i'm like dude come on it's been you know 20 plus years like, right let's mm -hmm. move on and they're like no 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 it's great story all the time okay that's cool <laughs> but um so you know that's a very interesting question but I, I it would have happened sooner or later maybe it would have taken a little bit later if the games didn't evolve if you still had you know, your Super Mario Brothers, that was it. You had your mm -hmm. your Tetris, your RC Pro-Am and stuff like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Liz, what do you think? What was the question again? Just so, <laughs> I just want to like know what the question is before I start answering it. <laughs> I know. Um, it just sounded like ramble, me. And, <laughs> no, it just sounded like me in a classroom. Like, uh, yeah, what was the question? <laughs> um, what Do you think the gaming shade would be as big as we are Oh, as we, as is uh, I'm part Collective of the game. We. Collective we. Collective we. You know, like Eagles fans, you know, we. Giants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, um, oh, get out of here. Uh, but do you think it would be as big if we didn't take games so seriously? Oh, get out of here with that hat. <laughs> <laughs> what do you um, think? It's, it is difficult to answer just because, like, games have evolved so much from the beginning. And you think of when... Hollywood started. Yeah. It was think of like how far movies have come yeah. since they began. And like we just said, video game industry is still very young. Mm -hmm. I think that it can grow. I think taking it serious is what got it this far mm -hmm. because people wanted to see what they could do. They wanted to see how far they could stretch it. They wanted to push technology to the limit. Yeah. So I think taking it seriously is what got us here. I don't know about the critical mm -hmm. um side of serious like people being mean about it <laughs> yeah, i don't think sure. that's helping anybody <laughs> i don't think so no <laughs> yeah but as far as taking it seriously as in like like this is a a real medium of media mm -hmm. like it i think that's what helps it get this far because people were like no i want to push it i want to see what i can do i want to be able to deliver this type of experience mm. so i definitely think that seriousness in video games is what brought it this mm. far because if no one did we'd still be playing pong 
Okay. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the way I think about it, and then I'll transition into my closing thoughts from this. Then, you know, I'll bring it back to Liz, and I want to have Sean have the final words of the show. Uh, yeah, I, I when I think that if the games industry, could it be as big if it didn't? The one thing I think about, there's two statistics you can think about. The mm-hmm. sales of the PlayStation products, like PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. and currently the PlayStation 5, is selling well. But, you know, we won't get into that because, you know, uh, scalpers. But... <laughs> Uh, the PS4, it's selling really well. Yeah. Wow. Like PlayStation is really doing things right with, you know, blockbuster games. Mm-hmm. The way I think about it, though, we got to think about things from the outside, from people who don't really normally game. Yeah. Two statistics you can look at. The sales of the Wii and the sales of the last pandemic, the last pandemic, as if it's past <laughs> uh, last March. What was the yeah. highest selling system, you know, in the pandemic? It was the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Right, it was the highest selling. Uh, if I remember correctly, PlayStation Four sold a lot, but people who don't normally game, they bought went, a Switch. They bought a Switch. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. So, oh, uh, sorry. D- did you want to correct me? No. Um, my computer, my laptop was making noise. But really, to to piggyback on your point, yeah. look at Animal Crossing. Yeah. It sold mm-hmm. over thirty million copies. Yeah. yeah. That's more. That's more than Spider Man and God of War on the PS4 combined. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, when you were looking over, you're just like, the heck? Why am I on this podcast? Like, no, no, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> like, well, I'm just making all this noise all of a sudden. I, I don't know why. Hopefully it just dies or something soon. Um, but yeah, the way I think about it is that like people on the outside buy Nintendo. And the way Sean was describing it is that Nintendo focuses on the fun. Now, when he also talks about, you know, it could have happened eventually. I think people that are into video games, the way the video game industry uh, really blew up is not because of cinematic grand stories. It's because people want to play games. Mm-hmm. People want to have fun in games. People want to play Animal Crossing and put shovels to rocks and hopefully a gold coin falls <laughs> out, right? And I, I think that goes into my closing thought here. And then um, you know we'll close it out from here. But games need to be games, right? Yeah. The industry will grow, and the industry has grown from... You know, I don't want to justify it to one central thing, but one central thing is that games are fun. Games should be fun. And people gravitate towards games that are fun. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that meme where just like uh, the guy yelling across the couch, like, stop having fun. But really, that's what a game (laughs) should be. It's just like, Mm -hmm. stop taking it so seriously. Just have fun with the game. But what is your definition of fun? Yeah. What's your definition of fun? Uh, Sean, you were talking about like you don't like Life is Strange and you're a horrible, you're a horrible person for saying that. Oh but <laughs> um, well, that's why we brought you on the show because you're unapologetic. But that's the thing is that you don't like the artsy fartsy games. That's not your fun. I love one of my favorite games of all time is Hue. It's a very uh, indie game. It's a puzzle game. Um, I, I like the colors. The, the soundtrack was it was a bop. But that's my thing. My my uh, my type of game is a very artsy fartsy. That's how I have fun. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily how everybody has fun, but really the central idea is that games need to be games. Whatever it is, it's fun. But that's how the industry grows. Mm-hmm. Fun games. Yeah, Liz, what are your closing thoughts? Um, one, I think what what was kind of confusing with your answer is that you use the word fun yeah whereas i feel like enjoyable is the better word because fun implies like you're laughing and like you're because it's funny 
Well, like, do you you think I was not laughing when I was playing Hugh? No. Laughing hysterically? No. Okay. (laughs) But that's what I mean, because, like, I really enjoy Life Strange. I wouldn't say it's fun to have my heart ripped out of my chest. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Depends if you're a 2007 emo, but continue. But it's an enjoyable game. I really enjoy my time with it. Yeah. And so that's just, I just wanted to put that in there that I kind of disagree with your wording, but I get yeah. what you were saying. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you're still my wife and I respect your decisions, but go ahead. Do you listen to Taking Back Sunday and the Ataris while playing Life is Strange? Oh, no, no I didn't. Oh, wait. Wow. Oh. Well, you said 2007 emo. I, I messed around in the emo scene in like 2003. And I remember mm. Taking oh, Back Sunday and the Ataris were like big bands. Oh, yeah. my God. I thought you said that like Taking Back Sunday had a live stream where they played live. I'm like, excuse me, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that is like, every, anyways, uh, closing thoughts. Yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> I honestly, I think it all comes down to that people and this is probably just like me swimming in the gray area coming out. But in my opinion, it's just just let people like what they like, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Just enjoy your thing and leave other people alone. Right. And that's pretty much how I think. I mean, that's as if anyone who listens to this show knows it's just how I think in general about everything. It's like, just enjoy what you like and leave everyone else alone. <laughs> like, stop bothering them about what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy right like it's not that big of a deal like that like in the personal side of taking video games too serious it's like yes y'all are taking it way too serious Mm -hmm. just play what what you enjoy and if people don't agree with that that's fine Mm. and when it comes to like video games like the business side of taking it seriously yes i think it can be taken too seriously sometimes but i think that's what made it grow i just think we're still so young and we, you know, in time, we'll figure out a good balance to mm. make, you know, a healthy work environment for people who create video games. That's fair. But, um, but yeah, so that's my answer. Sean, what do you think? What are your closing thoughts as we uh, close out the show? I think the, the one interesting thing about the personal and the business thing that you start to see on things like social media, like Twitter and stuff like that is where people are, um, I heard that too. Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah. I hear it. Let me hold on one second. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so Sean checks. What is um, wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep that in. It's <laughs> legit doing that for like 10 minutes now. I have no so idea. So your solution is to yell at your computer. Yeah, and close like it. it's a like it's an abused <laughs> child. It's, I mean, it stopped doing it. So there you go. Work. It works. Uh, you start to see what I'm saying. You start to see this okay. this happen where people take it personal and care too much about the business aspect mm-hmm. that aren't involved in the business aspect of the game. Yes. What the like they care about the game sales too much. They care about the review scores too much. And it's like, what do you care? Like, mm-hmm. yes, you obviously, yeah. if you like a game, you want it to do well. You want it to mm-hmm. succeed. You know what one of my most fun and enjoyable games is? The game that I've played the most on the Nintendo Switch, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. That I love that game. I'll play that game for hours and hours and not have a care in the world. Either playing as Jason, killing everyone, or mm-hmm. trying to escape Jason. And you know what? It's not even really a good game. All right. It's got mm-hmm. a ton of glitches. It's got a ton of bugs. There. But it's fun. It's yeah. fun. And like that's what matters at the end of the day is what is fun to you. 
Do you like mm-hmm. games like where Dark Souls, where you're going to die a lot and restart? Then play a Dark Souls game. Mm-hmm. Do you like games where you, you just press a button and it's an endless runner? Then play an endless runner game. Like there's something for everyone. So people that take it so personal and take it so serious and think that everyone needs to think like them Mm. is just a ridiculous thing to me. Like Mm -hmm. people think that I try to make people think like I think, and it's not like that at all. When I make a video, it's literally just me. It's Mm. just me talking. If you agree with me, that's great. If you disagree with me, that's great. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter to me at the end of the day. I'm just giving you my opinion on it. If you have a completely different opinion, awesome. Like, don't yeah. take it personally. You don't need to say that, you know, send me a message on Twitter. I'm going to kill you. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fourth four time today. We'll be all right with this. Going <laughs> forward, we're good. But it's just, you know, not to make an example out of someone, but I made a tweet about um, Second Extinction, which mm-hmm. just uh, released on Xbox Game Pass in, uh, in an alpha or beta build or something like that. And I made a tweet very jokingly saying, well, I played Second Extinction. It's definitely a Game Pass game. Mm. And I got a I got a, a DM from someone that I'd never spoken to before, just this wall of text saying that I am making it, you know, that Game Pass is a bad thing, that games that go on Game Pass are bad, that PlayStation is a superior brand. And I'm like, all I said was, it's a joke. <laughs> I love Game Pass. If you've ever yeah. watched a video where I talk about Game Pass, I always talk about it in a positive manner. Just a joke. Yeah. yeah. And then he apologized. He's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I was like, it's cool. But like, what made yeah. that reaction? Like, who, yeah. who cares? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a throwaway tweet. I also said that the Graves era of Misfits was just as good as the Danzig era of Misfits. And I stand by that. And I haven't read any of those replies because I said I wasn't going to read those replies because I know those replies are going to be like, yeah, the Graves sucks. Danzig rules. It's okay. It's yeah. fine. But I enjoy both. And that's what we need to realize. People are going to enjoy different things. And all because somebody maybe has a following or an audience or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that their opinion is necessarily more valid than your opinion. At the end of the day, it's just one individual's opinion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I guess guess that's that's what I've got to say. Yeah. I agree. I mean... Yeah, Sean, it was great having you on the show, man. Like, you Mm -hmm. you put out some great... Yeah, man. But before we go... We just want to, you know, offer you a chance, you know, because, you know, uh, we, we got to blow you up. You know, uh, you know, we as as uh, a lot of subscribers that we have, we got to blow you up a little bit. But that's a joke, by the way. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, Sean, uh, what would you like to tell us? Uh, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Uh, what's your YouTube channel? Uh, you know, uh, all your thoughts. Red carpet's out for you. Go. Find me RGT85 on YouTube, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, pretty much any sort of social media, RGT85. Um, I make really subpar videos that I really don't know why people watch them, but they do. And I'm very grateful for that. So I can pay bills and stuff like that. That's super cool. And yeah, you know, I upload probably too much sometimes, at least, you know, five videos a week, sometimes more, sometimes less, but usually around five or six videos a week. And yeah, if you've ever heard of me, thank you. And I hope you don't hate me. <laughs> I need that as a t-shirt, but I'll make you a t-shirt for Christmas. Thank you. But I will have uh, links uh, to RGT. I will have links to his YouTube channel, his Twitter. I'll even have a link to his Patreon account. If you want to check that out too, uh, links will be down in the description down below, whether you're listening on audio or even uh, listening on video, but 
Uh, with all that said, Sean, thanks again, man. Uh, this was a blast. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I love your videos. I like talking to you and uh, Long Island Retro back in 2018, back when we could have a convention. Um, yeah. That was um, that was those were good times. But now we're in this time. But we'll end the show here. We thank you again for listening to this week's uh, Games Groceries episode. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Gaming Groceries or follow us on Instagram, Games Groceries, all one word. Uh, be sure to check us out in the next week's episode where we'll have a guest, I mm-hmm. suppose. So thanks again. You know, stay safe out there. Keep striving. Keep gaming. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. <laughs>